0: Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yeah. and his ice cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely.
1: I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I think we all are about this fight. You got people that need you now. That's why I can't lose.
0: Adonis Creed has been challenged by Victor Drago, son of the man who killed his father.
1: I want to rewrite history. Don't pretend this is about your father. This guy is dangerous. I'm dangerous. It's time, kid. Creed 2, Rated PG-13.
0: Hello and welcome back to I Must Break, this podcast. This is the fan podcast that celebrates the cinematic career of action icon Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and all roads lead to this today, folks. Uh, (laughs) uh, Joining me today is Craig Cohen, once again, of the Slycast. And we are here to break down, review Creed Two. Spoilers will be ahead, but uh, Craig, how's it going, man?
1: Good, Sean. I'm so glad we were able to Finally sit down and do this. I know when we did the trailer reaction or a review, we, we talked about doing this. So to actually be sitting here and and doing it is, uh, is really cool. It's, it's funny because when we were watching the trailer for, for our reaction, you know, the movie was still over a month away, you know, maybe five weeks away or whatever to, it got here really, really quick, man. And, and I got to say, as a, as a Rocky guy or as a a guy that does the Stallone podcast, we've had a chance to see Rocky. Several, several times in the last couple years. Um, but for you, man, I got to imagine going to the theater and seeing Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago had to be just an amazing experience, huh? Uh, amazing is saying it
0: uh, is an understatement, actually. So, yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I started my show up. I know I know your show has been running for what, two and a half, three years or so, give or take. I think we started in 2014. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. So a little bit longer. And see, yeah. I started I started my show up in uh, September of 2017. That's when the uh the first episode went live. And it's really kind of wild. I mean, I would have been doing this show you know, regardless of where Dolph's career was, but it's it's really kind of interesting in a lot of ways as to how the planets have kind of aligned in a weird, in, a, in an odd sense. The fact that, you know, here I am now doing this for over a year and I'm still, you know, we're going in chronological order. So I'm kind of still in that kind of direct to video, um, area of his career. But it's, it's really wild to be doing the show and seeing him having just this momentous year on the big screen. I mean, not only is he reprising his role that essentially put him on the map, but let's face it, to see Dolph back on the big screen in two huge blockbuster movies because here in a couple of weeks, Aquaman is going to be dropping, you know? Right. I mean, so this, this really was um pretty special and pretty, pretty cool to see. Not only that, I mean, but it's, it's a, it's a great movie. So <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, to breaking this one down with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And and, and just, you know, right out of the gate, you know, people have asked me, you know, what did I, what I think of, of Creed because, or Creed two, because it's funny, you know, when you become associated with, with something, you know, everybody wants your opinion on that thing. So, you know, like everybody that knows that I do a Stallone podcast would ask me what I thought Creed to. And uh, it's funny. And and it's, it's good to say that the movie exceeded my expectations. Cause I know we were both sort of with, you know, based on the trailer, our, our, our hopes had gotten higher, but you know, there was still, you know, just that, You know, that feeling that until you see it, until it it actually happens, you're not 100% um, that they're going to deliver. And and then they did, man, which was just really awesome.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, we did that trailer reaction, and I just had to laugh at how wrong and completely off <laughs> I was in, in all of my predictions you know I, I've been asked a lot of the same questions as you you know you, you're a Dolph guy so so what, what did you think and yeah you know I mean I I loved it and I don't know exactly how you want to break this down I mean I I unfortunately I saw it twice in the theaters myself and I never brought a notepad with me or anything yeah. like that to take notes so I think doing a, a scene by scene um analysis is going to be a little uh, troublesome or a little problematic, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we can just kind of dive right into this and talk about what we really liked, what maybe we didn't like, and just our overall thoughts on the film, especially with regard to where we see the franchise going at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I mean, the, the movie started really, really strong for me. I mean, we got, what, three fights in this movie, right? He, the, the first fight, he wins the title, and then we have the two Drago fights, and they, that first fight is right at the front of the movie, which, you know, with the exception of, like, the montages we might have gotten in some of the other Rocky movies, I, I, you know, you don't really get a fight right at the beginning of the movie unless it's, like, Rocky 2, of course, which is sort of just the ending of Rocky 1. So, you know, that was kind of neat. And then to see where... Um, you know, um, Adonis and Bianca's relationship had gone and, you know, you, you see the progression of her hearing loss and she's wearing hearing aids now. And I thought that whole proposal scene was so fun. And, it, you know, it, it just showed a guy that, you know, was so nervous, you know, to, you know, he's, he wants to make sure he's able to express his feelings in the right way and he pours his heart out and she doesn't hear him. Um, And then, you know, it kind of gets to this awkward moment where she turns around, and I think he's already on his knee with the ring, right? Right, right, yeah. Now, looking at the opening, so if we look at the first 20
0: minutes of the film, I'm right there with you. I loved, first of all, I loved how it opened. I mean, I thought it was, it was a really cool opening, just how it decides to the first, you know, what, three, four minutes of the film, it's going to open with the Drago's oh, showing yeah. what the Drago's are, are doing. And I, I loved that, how it opens in the Ukraine. And what's yeah. interesting is those, those first three minutes, there is zero dialogue whatsoever. Yeah. No dialogue um, in, in that, in that those first couple scenes, but you get everything that you need to know from, from what is going on with Ivan and what is going on with his son, Victor.
1: Yeah. And I, and I thought both of the, the, the actors there, Dolph and Floyd uh, both did a really, really good job of doing that, you know, that nonverbal acting that my co-host Jeff Hewlett always talks about so much. And, Floyd really carried a lot of that nonverbal weight in this movie. And, and I thought for, you know, for the performance that he had to deliver, um, there's high expectations there. And, and, uh, I got to say that uh, out of everybody in that movie, I was probably most impressed with him because I think he was the guy I needed to be sold on the most. So, uh, it was cool to see that. And, and yeah, it, it's, it was neat to see that, that intro because I know, Mike had sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, he always envisioned, you know, Drago sort of getting banished to Siberia. Now this wasn't Siberia, but still we saw the effects of him losing that fight in Rocky five. So it instantly made that connection.
0: Well, and you know, this is one thing that we had talked about when we did the trailer reaction. Um, But what I thought then, and I guess this is one theory of mine that, that turned out to be correct is just, it was actually kind of amazing to me is how this film in a lot of ways, pretty much beat for beat is pretty much Rocky three. Did you notice that? <laughs> I mean, this, this story is, it's pretty much the, now I'm not discrediting that at all, by any means, because I think Rocky three is fun, but I thought that was interesting as how the next installment in the Rocky franchise, the sequel to 2015's Creed, is pretty much mirroring Rocky three in every and every aspect um, from a storytelling from a storytelling aspect. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you basically had Creed losing the quote unquote eye of the tiger. Uh, He lost his in a different way than Rocky did, but you know, there was a bulk of that movie where he had to find it and get it back and find a reason to go back in the ring. So yeah, I think those parallels, you know, were definitely noticeable. And I think, Anytime you're going to see a Rocky movie, you're expecting that certain beats are going to get repeated, which I think is what people kind of love about those movies. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a formula.
0: I mean, one of the one podcast review that I was listening to, they were talking like, you know, how how in the heck has it been? That this formula, which is pretty basic if you think about it, has been able to span as many years as it has. And I think the answer to that question is pretty simple. It's a formula that works. And mm-hmm. this is a character, this is a group of characters who we love seeing and who, you know, audiences are going to continually come back to for the next 30, 40 years, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, and I know we're kind of going all over the place here, um, but we, yeah, we talked about how the the story kind of mirrors Rocky Three in a lot of ways. But and maybe I'm saying this because I am a little biased toward <laughs> to, toward Lundgren and to that character. But as I watched it, I actually found the the Dragos to be more of the underdogs than Creed. I actually, in a weird way, I mean, obviously this is Creed and Rocky's story. I get that, but in a weird way. They were they were the underdogs and they were the ones who um I found myself in a in a weird way, I think they were the more sympathetic ones in this entire film.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that was sort of Sean because you saw what they had to go back to and what Drago had lost. So I think it's right. hard not to sympathize with somebody like that. But at the same time, um, Victor was so dominant in the ring that you couldn't help but pull for creed to to you know to come through and and do what he needed to do it so i mean that's that and that's great storytelling and great filmmaking where you don't have the clear black and white or you know good and bad where you know there's all these shades of gray and it's not a simple you know this is the way it has to be and Perspectives, everything, and I and I mean, I think that's a really, really good sign of of, of top notch filmmaking. You know, I agree, I agree. You know, um, and I
0: really, really appreciated how. Okay, so we talked about yeah, the the opening scenes and how we see that you know Adonis is is living the high life, things are good. He's now the champion. He's proposing to to Tessa Thompson's character. You know, everything is good. But I really like how they just kind of pepper in the Dragos arriving to Philly. You know what I mean? So the film Mm -hmm. opens where we see them in the Ukraine and, you know, everything. We see this uh, sleazy boxing promoter. He's he's kind of the uh, the puppet master behind it all. But I really like how every time we see the Drago's, it's just we get a little bit. And again, they're not speaking at all. But that scene of them in Philadelphia standing on top of the steps, looking out at the city was was a pretty cool scene.
1: Yeah. And and. um. It, it, that's, that's an iconic image in a, you know, a series that's got 40 plus years of iconic images now. And yeah, I mean, the, the editing in this was just so good. And, you know, the, you know, cutting back and forth between, you know, the, the Dragos, you know, and, and, and their mission that, that they're basically on for the whole movie. And, you know, it's, it's the one thing I was wondering though is how integral do you think the promoter was or, do you think that Ivan would have eventually found a way for his son to get the opportunity he needed to get?
0: You know, I'm so glad you brought that up Craig because I was I was thinking that as well because if you notice that promoter character pretty much gets dropped entirely from the film after like what the first 45 <laughs> minutes we don't see that promoter character in the rest of the film. So I have to wonder, I mean, and we're going to be getting to this. They they edited a few scenes from the film um and so I kind of wonder if maybe they took out some scenes with that particular promoter character. I will say regarding the promoter character, he's not, I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but he's not entirely evil. And that's one thing that I also liked about this as well. I mean, if you look at Rocky V, uh, they, they made yeah. the character, they created the character Duke, who is pretty much just a, you know, the, the Rocky version of, uh, of Don King or whatever, just a huge yeah. loudmouth. And I do really, really like that scene where, um, where the promoter, whose name I, I probably should have gotten that character's name, but where he confronts uh, Adonis at uh, at Bianca's concert and starts talking to him, and he pretty much just opens up and he says, "Look, I, I know it, se- it seemed like a dirty tactic to you. I get that." But this is business. I'm a businessman. I'm here to make money. This is what we're doing, and I actually really like that because it didn't make. If you think about it, there really aren't any evil characters in this film, and especially
1: the no, promoter. No, this guy is an opportunist.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you really understood, and I liked how he kind of pulled Adonis aside, and he was like, "Look, I'm not, I'm not being, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to make money, and I'm, I'm here to, uh, to do something." And he brings up a really good point, how he says, "Look." All these fights, they always have that one fight that uh what was it he said, that sticks to the ribs that that stands mm-hmm. out and you yeah. haven't had that yet. And so yeah, I really like that. If if I have to make one um slight critique is just how they drop that character completely. he just leaves the film
1: after that first fight. So Yeah, it's uh Buddy Marcel played by Russell Hornsby and I thought he was in the crowd in the the, the final fight, or am I mistaken? You know what, you're right.
0: I think he is. But I mean we don't get
1: but- to see
0: any lines yeah, he doesn't have dialogue or
1: yeah, <laughs> he's know? no longer in once he gets the movie where it needs to be that character is sort of jettisoned <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i really did like though um you know now let me ask you this because this has been in a lot of the reviews i've been looking at so what do you think is creed's motivation in in taking the fight
1: it, it's got to be it's got to be a majority of it based on the fact that Adrago killed the father he never got to meet. I mean, even if it's subconsciously there, you know, and and there's that great scene between Marianne and and Adonis where you know she says, "Don't pretend this is you know is about your father uh, or isn't about your father." Um, so I I think it's the fact that you know it's a chance for him to. I don't know if revenge is the right word, but maybe to, you know, just get something back for his dad that his dad can't get. And and to also maybe prove to himself that he's on the same level as his dad. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that as well. And I really
0: liked how, how Rocky, when he confronted Rocky outside of uh outside of Rocky's house, how Rocky just flat out asks him, what is it that you're fighting for and how he doesn't even Mm -hmm. really know that. You know what I mean? I thought that was a really good moment. I loved that scene between Balboa and Adonis just outside and how you really see Balboa pouring his heart out to Adonis, you know, saying, you know, this guy is dangerous. And I really, really liked yep. the, the the line where he says, uh, uh, what is it? Um, a guy who's dangerous, a guy without, what was it? A guy who's got nothing to lose is dangerous. And I yeah. thought that, was, yeah. that makes so much sense because if you think about it, that's how Rocky lost the fight to Clubber Lang. And Rocky Three, you had Mr. T coming on the scene, who had nothing to lose, and was, um, you know, um, training in the off the streets and everything like that. And he was he was a dangerous opponent.
1: Yeah, and there's, you know, there's lots of great Rocky wisdom in this in this movie, and you know him, you know, telling Adonis not to take the fight, and you know saying that he won't be able to train him. Um, it was an amazing sequence and knowing that Adonis was going to go ahead and do it anyway. And in the back of my head, Sean, I wondered if Rocky didn't want him to do that first fight, but deep down knew he would. And then we get the scene of him watching the fight at the restaurant, but that was really Rocky's way of sort of getting the intel he needed on how to face Drago. Right. 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 Well, and uh, can we, can we just say, I have a question for you
0: real quick <laughs> mm-hmm. about, about these films is, okay, so Rocky is running the restaurant Adrian's, yet yeah. it seems like every time we see it, no one is there. Now, granted, it's after hours, <laughs> but I'm wondering, do you think a restaurant like this would, would still be standing, would still be in business? Because I have to question, I get from a gimmick standpoint, oh yeah, Adrian's, it's owned by Rocky Balboa, but I'm wondering if a restaurant like this would, um, would last more than 10 years or so <laughs> and...
1: it, 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 in Chicago or New York, probably not, but in Philadelphia, which is Rocky's town. Um, I, I think so.
0: Maybe so. I, I think okay. so. I, I,
1: yeah. I mean, you do bring up a good point because the restaurant business is one of the most difficult businesses there is. And for right. a restaurant to exist for over 10 years, it's got to be doing something extremely right. So I think there is a little bit of suspension and disbelief there. Uh, now that you mention it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's just one thing that I was wondering, but I will say I loved
1: the, the
0: reunion between Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago. That scene. I mean, we had seen it a little bit in the trailers and I had read some mm-hmm. rumors online about it and everything, mainly from, I think Mike Kunda posted a, uh, posted something online that he was able to, he was there and he witnessed the filming of that scene. But I love just um Balboa. So what he walks into his restaurant and the hostess tells him this big guy has been waiting for you in the back. And so just how he slowly it's, it's one shot, but how he slowly walks up to the, what to the table that Drago was sitting at. And his first words are, is that you? And I, I just, I yeah. just loved that scene between the two of them. It came off. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but uh, the film Heat with uh, uh, De Niro and Al Pacino. And De Niro. Th- yeah, yeah. Yeah, the this, this scene where they're in the coffee shop, I I got a lot of parallels between between those two scenes.
1: Yeah, and, and the thing about it is you'd have to imagine that Rocky never imagined that he would be face-to-face with Drago ever again. Um, right. So it, it adds that level of, like, you know, like you said, the line he says is at you. Um, it, it, it's just, you know, Rocky is so taken off guard by it. Um, and I think, you know, Dolph, you know, the fact that they kept him seated, what, almost that entire scene, right? He's seated that entire scene.
0: And if you notice this, I noticed this the second time I watched it, but you notice how Balboa does not take a seat at the table that Drago is at? He sits yeah. at the table and- table over. I loved that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and and I think the that 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 is like such great work by the two of them because I think if if Rocky sat down, he would be um sort of becoming I don't know if submissive is is the right word. And I think Dolph knew or or Drago knew that even sitting down he was still this imposing figure that had taken something from Rocky that Rocky never got back. I mean, I think the psychology of that scene beyond any dialogue that's spoken is, is just so wonderful.
0: Well yeah, and that is really the only scene that uh that Balboa and Drago get together. Um and I, I guess I guess if you've been reading online or whatever, I cannot personally I cannot wait for the Blu-ray release of this because they did film a scene, which I was gonna get your take on. Um they did film a scene that was cut from the film and I I it makes sense. I, I agree with why they did it. But yeah, they did film a scene where Balboa and Drago do square off and they do get a few punches in one another. I believe it's at the hospital
1: is from what I've, what I've seen online. Are you familiar with this at all? I I just know that there, there was a scene where Rocky takes a swing at, at at Drago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that scene being cut? I think for Creed two, it works because, you know, I mean, a lot of people say, you know, this is a Rocky movie through and through, but, It really is Creed 2. And I think Rocky was utilized perfectly in this movie. I don't think he overshadowed too much. He sort of played that Mickey role really well. And I think if we lean too hard on Rocky and, and scenes that sort of took the spotlight away from Creed, it might've changed the balance of the film. Now, as a Rocky fan, it hurts me to say that, <laughs> right. but yeah. as a fan of the, you know, of the movie that was released, I, I think, I think that's gotta be the, you know, the balance they were trying to keep.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, yeah, like you said, this is a Creed movie. This is Adonis Creed's story. And so I think, um, I think if they included that, then it would have taken away from that and it would have been more Balboa's story, which I, I, I don't think was the the right thing to do. So I can understand why they took it out. And I also think, you know, um, one of the, uh one of the things that I've, I've read about this film is it, 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 it feels or it plays almost uh like fan fiction in a lot of ways, which I, I can certainly see. I get that to an extent, but I feel like if you would have included that scene, then it would have been way too much fan fiction. But yeah, that, that that's kind of my take on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because, um, you know, in our in our reaction, you know, video, we had kind of talked about lines that they might call back to and they didn't get anything groan inducing. But there were, you yeah. know, there's that one sequence where, you know, Ivan tells Victor to break him. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he actually first he <laughs> says, uh, he says, my son will break your boy. And I love yeah. that. I, I thought, you know, and that was actually my big uh, my big. You know, worry. I guess I think when we talked about the uh, the trailer breakdowns, I was going to be like, okay, I want it. If they're going to do some callbacks, I want it to just kind of blend in organically with the film and be not natural, feel like yeah. they're doing. Yeah, I don't want it to to stand out. Um, but yeah, can I just say the the thing that uh, that I so appreciate the most about this film is the fact that it is it is calling back to it is acknowledging the events. And I, I said this again, so I'm going to repeat myself. But I love the fact that they are calling back to and acknowledging events from what many consider to be the most ridiculous film in the entire franchise. But what they're doing it is they're grounding it in the reality and the realism that is the Creed universe. And that, that yeah. is what I love.
1: Yeah. And, and it's funny that they were able to make one of the longer movies in the Rocky franchise from you know, spawned from one of the shortest movies in the Rocky franchise.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, look... I love Rocky IV. It is one that I, you know, can constantly go back to. I go back to it at least once a year and I'll continually go back to it. I mean, if you need the great thing about Rocky IV is I would say the one thing that Rocky IV has over all the other films is if you need to get if you need to get pumped up and you need to just get in the moment and get motivated to do whatever, whether it's taking a test, whether it's going for a run. Whether whether it is just you know getting out there and accomplishing a goal, um, Rocky Four, thanks to the various montages, thanks to the 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 fight scenes, um, and I also think thanks to Vince DiCola's wonderful score, Rocky Four is able to do that. And like I said, it is it is in a lot of ways it is super Rocky. It is uh, more of a of a cartoon of a comic book film. Um, but yeah, I you really do have to appreciate Stallone and everybody involved. That not only were they able to continue the saga of Rocky but they were able to take what um what is probably uh, the silliest of the entire franchise and just ground it make it real and include it in this uh in this new lexicon
1: yeah yeah definitely now I think the only thing that we need to sort of get past and we sort of referenced this in our trailer discussion but the fact that Creed and Drago can't possibly be in the same weight class, can they?
0: No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> and, we, and we talked about that as well. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. just the scenes of them squaring off. Now, Florian Muntanow, he is an actual legitimate fighter as well. Um, I believe he's he's an actual fighter as well as a, um, a model of some kind of fitness model. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah... Um, uh Michael B Jordan he got extremely jacked. I mean, he is he is even yeah. more yoked in this movie than he was yeah. in in 2015 when he did the first one. But yeah, like you said, uh I don't think they're in the uh in the same weight class, which I think could probably be one of the many reasons why uh Adonis loses that that first fight to uh to Victor.
1: <laughs> well, well well and 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 that's the thing I love about that first fight is he didn't officially lose it. He clearly lost it, but on paper, Drago gets disqualified, which I think is such an unexpected way for that fight to end. Because if you're going by the rocky formula, you know, it's like, you know, you lose and then you get the win. And here it was a psychological and a physical sort of loss, but on paper, Creed won that fight, which, um, I think really helps with the psychological stuff that's going on with Creed where he's still the champ. But he doesn't feel like it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I actually I really like the fight as well. I love, you know, the one thing that um, the the one thing that this has, I would say, over Rocky Four. I mean, look, Rocky Four is great. We talked about it, but if you watch the the fight scenes, the boxing sequences, they're pretty laughable because mm. neither neither Dolph nor <laughs> nor Sly they they never have their hands up.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah they're never just guarding them open face
0: punching yeah yeah it's just open face punching I mean we're supposed to believe that these are heavyweight fighters um, yet it looks um, we've said it before but I think Rocky IV is more of an action movie than it is a, a boxing drama and so just you Definitely. can the, one of the things that further strengthens that theory is the this the fighting stances and everything the fight scenes in Creed 2 are real I mean just the punches that they're taking and the camera work that Stephen Cable mm-hmm. the director And everybody involved are doing, especially, you know, the one thing that I really like about that first fight in, in Creed Two, the one where Adonis loses is to really help sell the fact that Adonis is out of his element and his head is in the right place is they do these, uh, these point of view camera shots from the perspective Mm -hmm. of Adonis, just looking at Victor, just having the hell get beat out of him. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Um, they don't Mm -hmm. do that in the final fight, but in that, that first one to kind of help sell that, um, that
1: Adonis is, is completely um outmatched here. I, I, I loved that. Yeah. I, I, I thought that like I said, that I mean every fight in this movie was was, was great, but I, I love the fact that Rocky was watching it and you know I mean it's it was just great editing and you know even though he wasn't able to be there in Adonis's corner, he still cared about the kid. And yeah. he still wanted him to do well, and he, he just couldn't be there for him for, you know, for whatever reason. And and there are valid reasons that Rocky had, but that doesn't mean he's not going to, you know, pull for him to, to win the fight, even though Rocky knew the odds he was up against. So I think that that was really good. And then, you know, it leads to, you know, the visit in the hospital, which, you know, it's – there, there's just a lot of really, really great acting that, that happened in this movie. And I think that's the thing that really, for me, takes Creed to a level higher than the original, the first Creed, um, is just all around the performances are great. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Sly got nominated for an Oscar for Creed, which he deserved to get nominated for. But I feel like in this one, every actor on screen, Brought their A game and, and I don't know if it's just Michael B. Jordan, um, is a better actor now or he feels more comfortable with that character or he was just able to grab onto that story. But man, I mean, the performances of this movie are just off the charts. You know, I'm glad you brought up
0: uh, Sylvester Stallone's Oscar loss because, yeah, I agree with you completely. You know, what's interesting, what's really telling about the fact that that was an upset for Stallone is, okay, so, yeah, I, I distinctly remember he lost Best Supporting Actor to the actor in Bridge of Spies. Mark Ryland. Yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting is, okay, do you hear anybody talking about Bridge of Spies nowadays? No. No, but Creed mm-hmm. is still that film that is still in, in the public consciousness, even if there wasn't a sequel, I think Creed is still that film that is, uh, it is always going to be remembered. So yeah, it's, that, it, that, that was, that was a huge upset that I think, uh, I don't know. I think if he had won that, that Oscar, maybe Stallone would not have done escape plan two, possibly. So.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I think the money would have been too good either way to not do escape plan two. uh, you know, those foreign markets, the Chinese, um, that Chinese money, um, they still love paying it to Sly. True, true. But, you
0: know, <laughs> regarding, regarding that hospital
1: scene, what's interesting. Okay. So
0: I wanted to ask you, so the fight, um, takes place. Well, actually, okay. Let me back up. I would say the Creed two spans what? It, it's pretty much a year in the life of Adonis. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so it's pretty much, okay, so the film takes about a year or so. Um it glosses over it really well, much, much better than I would say Rocky four did as I think Rocky four actually jumps from fight to fight a little too quickly. (laughs)
1: But but,
0: um, yeah, Creed two does, does a better job of that, but okay. So the first fight takes place in Vegas.
1: Does it not? Uh, The, the, the championship fight. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well the championship fight, but the fight between Victor, the first fight between Victor and Adonis, is that in Vegas or is that in LA?
1: Oh, you know what? I, I, I don't remember any, Establishing shots of Vegas from that fight, so,
0: or is it in Philadelphia? Because I was just, I was really confused at how, at how Rocky was able to visit Adonis in the hospital. Because for some reason, I thought that it was in Vegas. So I was like, well, dang! So that means, uh, that means Rocky had to, you know, jump a plane immediately to see him in the hospital. But maybe it was in Philadelphia. I don't know. They kind of, they kind of don't, uh, don't establish where the first fight took place. So.
1: Yeah, you know what? It, it, uh, you know what? I think you know. I want to say it was in was it Madison Square Garden? Okay, so I guess that wouldn't make sense for Rocky to make. You know what? No, no, I'm sorry. It was it was the Barclay Center, I think, in Brooklyn. Okay. Well, still, so
0: I guess Rocky could make the train ride over to the hospital. Yeah. Then, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you know, narratively, what's interesting is, like I said, I think that uh, when when Balboa and Drago were going to get into a little fight, I think it was going to be. Inside the hospital as Rocky was leaving, which makes me wonder, why do you think Drago was at the hospital if if that was in case where that uh, where where that fisticuffs happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like it would have been where it happened, because you'd think that that would be the point where emotions were the highest. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I would think anyway, but um, but yeah, no, uh, it, it is interesting. And yeah, so Adonis does have to get the eye of the tiger back. And I really do like these scenes. You know, this scene actually, I really, really appreciated is the scene between Tessa Thompson and um, Felicia Rashad. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, the editing of this scene is wonderful. So you have, so you have Michael B. Jordan, his Adonis character, is in a pool and he's just submerging himself in the water. And as we see this scene, we see, Felicia Rashad and Tessa Thompson talking about um, how to how to help Adonis get through what he's going through, and I really like this because you have a uh, you have an expectant mother and a fiance of a fighter speaking to the wife or excuse me the yeah the former wife the widow excuse me of a fighter, and I like how she's just saying, "Look, I've been through this. I've been what you're. I, I've gone through what you are going through. This is what you have to do. You have to leave him alone." and let him handle that. And I thought that was a really telling scene that, um, that, you know, I I think something like that, they could have cut on, you know, left on the editing room floor, but I'm glad they didn't. I think it's a, it's a slow scene, but it, it really um, gives you, um, how do I say this? It really lets you in to the characters of both Tessa Thompson and Felicia Rashad.
1: Yeah. And I think that's another thing that the Rocky movies always were able to do well was he always had those strong female characters and i think right. that's what kind of set you know the rocky movies uh, 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 apart from some of the other you know quote-unquote boxing movies that came out that aren't really that remembered is you know it was always rocky was always about the characters and there was you know adrian was such a strong female character but we had other strong female characters throughout those movies, you know, even in Balboa, we had, um, what a little, little Marianne, a little, what little, uh, little Marie. Um, right. Right. Yeah. All grown up. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm glad that scene was, was there. I mean, and, and that helps, you know, that helps Creed two, which is what the movie is, you know, in a Rocky movie, that scene might not have had as much weight, but in Creed two, it was definitely necessary.
0: No, yeah. And so I really like that scene, especially him submerging himself in the water and then just screaming. I mean, I cannot imagine what it's like to be a professional fighter where your livelihood is based on on doing that. And so, yeah, I think it's I would say Creed 2 actually does probably the best job out of all the films of the Rocky series as really letting you get inside a fighter's head and what it's like to lose. You know, what do you Mm -hmm. think what is going through and then not even just a fighter, but I guess any athlete for that matter who was once on top who lost a fight. You know, I mean, his, he's been broken both physically and his pride has been, has been crushed. And so I really like us, us following his journey to, to get back on top.
1: Yeah. And then we get this other sort of little through line plot where, um, and it was, it was nothing I, I expected, but, um, you know, they had, they have the baby. And Adonis is immediately worried that the genetic condition that Bianca has is going to carry along to his daughter. And sure enough, they do the testing and the baby's deaf. And again, Michael B. Jordan does some tremendous work there. But I think we get some great Rocky wisdom in that whole sequence where I don't remember the scene word for word, but ultimately Rocky says to him, you know, don't feel sorry for your daughter. She doesn't feel sorry for herself. And that's such a Rocky, uh, you know, outlook on life where he's like, if you set this girl up to think that she's less than, she's going to feel like she's less than. And I mean, that's just the, the kind of Rocky wisdom that um I think so many people uh, respond to in these movies. And I, and I think that's, an all time great Rocky moment, at least for me. I mean, it was, it was a really emotional scene and it was really powerful.
0: Well, and wasn't, it's kind of a, kind of a ballsy move from a storytelling standpoint to make, because I mean, this is, this is a Rocky movie where you're constantly rooting for the underdog. I mean, that, that is the formula that keeps people coming back to these movies, you know, (laughs) year after year. And so as a, as a viewer, you're thinking my, you're thinking, at least I was, I was thinking, Oh, well, you know, they're going to hope that, uh, that, that, you know, the baby does not have hearing problems, but this is a, uh, this is, this isn't that Rocky family. So of course the baby's going to come out on top and everything's going to be okay. I thought that was, that was extremely, uh, a gutsy for them to go the other way and kind of, um, avert your expectations and what you think would happen. And yeah, they do make the, uh, that this newborn infant, uh, hearing impaired. I thought that was, I thought that was great. And especially the mm-hmm. acting from, from Michael B. Jordan, where again, another scene, isn't that amazing that some of the most powerful scenes in this movie are the scenes where there's no dialogue whatsoever, yeah. but the scene where um, he is looking at Tessa Thompson as Tessa Thompson's holding the, holding the child. And you just see everything that you need to know from the face of Michael B. Jordan, as that tear is, is rolling down his eyes. It's, I mean that, that, that right there, I think, again, I think we're, well past the ridiculous moments in the Rocky franchise. It's really going back to what Rocky one and two did just bringing that heart back in the film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, you know, the, the journey back to the ring for him too, you know, we get, we get that scene with, with Duke in the, um in the parking lot of the, of uh, the gym where you think, um you think Adonis is going to go in and then he pulls away. And, you know, I mean, I, Duke isn't too utilized in this, but no. that's still a character that, you know, he he feels he feels important. You know, I always felt
0: that the character of Duke was Duke senior was the unsung hero of the franchise. I really I think, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you look at uh, the Rocky films, I would say the one character out of all the films, with the exception of five, because five, he's really not in, which is a huge shame, in my opinion but the mm-hmm. character I think who has some of the best moments is uh, Tony Burton, Tony Burton, <laughs> the actor, uh, Tony Burton. I mean, I think he has some of the best moments in this franchise. And that's the other thing that I have to appreciate is the fact that it, it, this new, this these new Rocky films that are being released. They know that the, that the character of Duke has left a stamp on, on this franchise. And um, obviously Tony Burton has, has passed, but, They're going to they're going to let his presence still be known by having his son be the trainer who's going to be by Adonis's side and both of these fights. And I really like that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So at some point, while all this is going on, we get that really important sequence where I guess Drago, the Drago's are back in Russia and there are they back in the, for lack of a better word, high society? And they're having that dinner uh, with Ludmilla, um, Brigitte Nielsen, um, and the tension in that scene. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Sean, because that had to be a scene that I'm sure you were all over.
0: Yeah, I was. I you know what? I was so pleasantly surprised with how that scene played off because yeah, we were talking. We were like, okay, is Brigitte Nielsen going to be back? And if she's back, how are they going to use her? You know what I mean? I think I think a lot of people were a little worried because I mean, you know, she she was a a presence in in Rocky Four, but yeah, it was kind of like, okay, well, she's no longer in the Drago's life. So I mean, I mean, they they really, if you think about it, they really could have left that character out. And I think the film still would have played, but I do. I do really like the scenes that she's in. She's only in two scenes in this film and her dialogue is all in Russian, but man, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how they utilized Brigitte Nielsen in the film.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that her presence was, was felt necessary because of what it, or how it impacted Victor. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah. And I mean, and I'm going to say it again. I think that the Drago's, especially Victor, he is he is such a sympathetic character because, I mean, if you really break it down. Yeah, he is a formidable opponent who is just a mountain of muscle like my God. <laughs> you know. But <laughs> yeah. um, but if you really think about it, I mean, what a what a tragic life this character has had. You know, he's he's grown up without a mother. His mother abandoned him because his mother was disgusted by by the loss of his father which which is pretty sad and then he's just had his dad training him his entire life to make up for for his his i want to say wrongdoings but where to where his father could not um come not come out on top so he's pretty much been his entire life living up to the expectations of his dad and trying to earn uh, or excuse me win back the love of his mom i mean that right there i think I'll say it again. I know that this is a Creed movie, but the most the award for the most sympathetic and tragic character <laughs> in this film has got to go to the Dragos, especially uh, a Victor Drago.
1: Yeah, and and I and I don't want to sort of s- spoil this spoiler filled sort of discussion, <laughs> but I think the 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 final moment we see them is such a. I, I it f- I felt uplifting to me for some reason, but you know where basically what father and son are back in the Ukraine and they meet up and they just start jogging, um, yeah. which I don't know for me that I mean I know that they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve, but it it just felt it felt positive to me for some reason, and I don't know if that was your takeaway.
0: Yeah, no, the ending, you know, I, I, I will say it's, a, it's a slight critique. I do love the ending and, um, and we haven't talked about the final fight or anything like that. But mm. yeah, I will say real quick regarding the ending, I feel like they almost, you know, the big theme of the film is father and sons. And I feel like yeah. in those final 10 minutes, they almost hit you over the head with the whole father and son theme a little. A little too heavily you know we have we have adonis visiting his dad's grave and we have victor and ivan now jogging together and then we have um uh rocky now um visiting his son oh, his with, mom,
1: yeah, with and Milan, yeah and his
0: grandson yeah and his grandson and i feel like all these scenes are just playing simultaneously amongst one another to where it's kind of like okay and for me as a viewer i was kind of like okay I know that that is one of the themes that they're going with, but it's just boom, boom, boom. One father and son, one father and son, one father and son. To where It's like, okay, I get that's what you guys are going for. Maybe they could have peppered that out a little bit more, you know, rather yeah. than those. Yeah. That, that's one of my, um, and it's a slight, slight, right, Craig. But that is one of the things that I was kind of like, all right, I feel like a, a, the editor should have um, spread these scenes out a little bit more. But, you know, that's a small one.
1: Yeah, and and I, since we're doing it we might as well we might as well just finish that part of the discussion but I feel like that final scene with Rocky reconnecting with his son and meeting his grandson um was the last Rocky scene that we need oh, and yeah. it, I could almost make I don't ma- know about you yeah. but I was I yeah.
0: was, I was
1: and and it it makes me feel that if and when they make a Creed 3 that'll be the scene that justifies us not needing Rocky in that movie. And I think they're going to make a Creed 3 for a lot of reasons. And I think Rocky won't be in it for a lot of reasons. But I think that scene justifies him not being in Creed 3 because they can say, you know what, Rocky got to the place that he needed to get. And and Creed is fine. He's got Duke. They They've got it figured out.
0: Now what did you think before we okay so before we get to the our our thoughts on where this franchise can go cuz I really am interested in in, mm-hmm. in talking to you about that but I'm curious what do you think of the uh of the training montage now no no rocky film is going com- is going to be complete without a training montage that that is a staple of the formula if you're going to do a rocky film you're going to follow this formula you need that training montage so and we probably should back up Marianne Marianne Creed she is able to uh convince Rocky saying that uh Adonis needs his help more than ever that he is lost and so Rocky comes back and um he and Adonis are able to reconcile and he agrees to train Adonis. And so what what I do like about the scene because there's okay there's some things about the training montage that I like and some things maybe not so much that I don't like but I have some uh <laughs> some questions about but I like the the contrast to it. So you have in Rocky Four, you have Rocky is training in the elements of Russia, where it is absolutely cold. He's running through snow, and he's he's helping uh, he's helping these horse carriages get out of the out uh, yes. of the snow that they're in, and everything like that. And so I feel like what, in my opinion, I feel like what Steven Capel and everybody involved with in this one did said. You know where we have not seen a Rocky character train is in the desert. Let's do the desert. And So I have to wonder, what's interesting is Rocky says, I'm taking you to some place to get your mind off things, to clear yourself up, and you're going to go to a place where broken fighters go to rehabilitate themselves. And apparently it's like a a prison yard where (laughs) prisoners are training. What is this? Oh, yeah, multiple questions. What (laughs) is (laughs) the scene? Baffled me, Craig. Okay, where is this okay how does rocky know about this and are these in fact former prisoners i mean what what is this place
1: yeah you know what it, it for me it it added a level a level of depth to rocky that he had this rolodex if you will <laughs> you know that he could reference you know to bring adonis to a place that would take him completely out of his comfort level. I assume, it, I mean, it was filmed in New Mexico, so uh, I assume it was New Mexico. They never, I don't think they ever flat out say it, um, but knowing where they filmed it, I just assumed it was New Mexico. And I kind of dug the fact that we didn't know too much about this sort of, you know, this place in the middle of, nowhere where fighters went to get their mojo back
0: (laughs) yeah it was it was really weird it's kind of like uh rocky said you know i'm gonna send you on a vision quest and you're gonna go to the deserts of new mexico and i don't know about you but i'm watching these scenes and he's squaring off against these uh against these bad tough looking dudes and i'm thinking to myself all right, if he is going to take on these guys, I don't think he's going to have much of a problem with Victor for round two. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: and, and, and and this sort of goes back to Rocky Balboa, and I guess the training throughout the series. I mean, we saw it in in you know Rocky, you know chasing the chicken, and you know in 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 Balboa, you know Duke makes him build those hurting bombs, and in this one, Rocky basically conditions. Adonis to be able to take those brutal body shots and yeah. also stay close where he has both fighters keep their, their, um, their one foot in that big tire. So you can't run away. And, you know, you know, the, the, the imagery of, you know, Rocky driving the car with, with Adonis behind him. And then, you know, we've got that moment where Adonis falls down and Rocky Key sort exhaustion. of just stops yeah. to. Yeah. And then Rocky just sits there and says, come on, kid, come on, kid. And then we sort of get the, you know, the moment that we all know we're going to get where he gets up and and, you know, that's what that's the moment where he he gets the eye of the tiger back. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, and this is (laughs) this is a small little uh, gripe that I have. But the one
0: thing I do kind of have to laugh at is, look, I get that this is a Rocky movie. I get that. Rocky has his certain characteristics and items of clothing that he is going to wear because he is Rocky. but in that desert sun, he is not going to be wearing that hat. I'm sorry. No. I had to laugh. I was like, okay, Rocky, it is that it is sweaty as hell. I don't think you're gonna be wearing that wool cap. can you like?
1: Yeah, yeah. The one thing that that training sequence does is like you said, it conditions us as a viewer to, you know, sort of believe that Creed's going to be able to go there and go toe-to-toe with Drago in that rematch when, you know, if you didn't see that training training sequence, you'd have no idea how Creed would be able to do anything other than have what happened to him in the first fight happen again.
0: Right, right. Well, excellent segue because we get to the final fight. What are, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on the final fight? What did, what did you like? What did you enjoy or what are some critiques or some criticisms that you have, if anything at all?
1: I, I love the fact that it's in Russia, which, right. you know, it, it, you know, I mean, that's, that's a given. Um, but I think this was a great fight in the <laughs> sense that it shows that Victor is not going to let his dad down and, right. No matter how much his body is being beaten, it shows the mental toughness that Victor has. And there's so many great moments for Creed in that fight, too, because you've got Creed with Rocky in his corner and they figured out how to beat Drago. Um, And then it culminates with that ultimate moment and probably another one of my favorite moments in Rocky history. And we had to wait over 30 years for it, but the moment where Drago throws in the towel, he does something that Rocky wasn't able to do, and even though Victor loses that fight due to his dad throwing in the towel, I think that's a victory for Ivan because he was able to do something that Rocky wasn't able to do, and it cost Rocky his friend's life. Now, I don't know if, if that was your same takeaway or anybody else's takeaway, but for me, it, it just showed how much love he had for his son. And the fact that he knew his son was not going to quit. And that if yeah. he didn't throw in that towel, his son was going to suffer.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I love the parallels to it. You have him throwing in the towel again. It's hearkening back to events from four which mm-hmm. which which is the you know the silliest most outlandish uh, of the entire franchise but yeah they're they're hearkening back to that reminding you of the events of 4 but yeah, it all feels real and it, it, it is so touching i just personally i loved the scenes of of ivan walking over to his son victor and telling him it's okay and he keeps repeating it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay i would have liked yeah. to see a little bit more of their reconciliation. But again, this is a Creed movie, not a Drago movie. Personally, I know we're going to be getting here. But personally, I would like to see if they're going to continue this franchise. I would like to see a continuation of the Dragos. In my opinion, mm-hmm. I think I think their characters have much more story to tell. But we're going to be getting to that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think the, the final fight is great. I don't know about you. But the theater that I saw it in was just hooping and hollering in oh, many yeah. of these scenes. I mean, it was it was a pretty cool experience to be at a Rocky movie once again because you know when I saw Creed back in 2015, I saw it in kind of a dead theater, and um, yeah. there really there really wasn't much. But this this was a packed house, and every punch that Creed was landing when he knocked down when he knocked down Victor that first time, the 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 crowd in the theater that I was in just uh, stood up and started cheering. It was it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and and I I do have an, an an idea about where the Dragos can go, but I also want to reference another moment where uh Lumila um was at the fight and she leaves um once Drago starts to lose and you know, you see Drago look back at the empty seat and and you could tell that it it really really affected him. Um another another great moment where you don't really need any dialogue to explain what's going on.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciated that as well. Again, it's, it's only two scenes that Brigitte Nielsen is in, but man, you, you remember her presence and you remember, I mean, not only is it, it's, okay, let's face it, it's Brigitte Nielsen coming back in a, in a major motion picture, but yeah, the way they handle those scenes, I mean, they have an impact on the film that, that is, that you remember and that sticks with you. I mean, I see her. I saw this now it's been a couple of weeks, but I remember her two scenes vividly. Yeah. And that, that yeah. is how, you know, you have a character that is, that is well-written and has a presence on screen.
1: Yeah. And, and here it is, Sean, I'm going to tell you what, how we can get more Drago's. And I think this is a good idea. And and hopefully you agree, but okay. Did you watch Cobra Kai on, uh, on YouTube, uh, red. The
0: first two episodes, I keep meaning to go back because, yeah, they have season two is going to be coming here here soon. So I need
1: to I need to check it out. But, yeah, I say the Drago's have to either find them, uh, find their way to YouTube Red or uh, YouTube Premium, which is called now or Netflix or Hulu. I think if we got like a 10 episode season of just the Drago's, I think that could work, man.
0: I you know I agree with you completely because yeah Netflix Hulu this that seems to be the preferred place where if you want to get a, a a solid a solid season of a show that is yeah that is going to hit um maybe not the the general masses but a certain niche yeah that is the place to go I'll say it right now and I I realize I'm probably in the min- minority on this one I'm okay. If this is the end, I, I really am. I think, and, and I'll tell you why for a couple of reasons, you know, obviously this made a ton of money. And so I don't think they're looking at closing the door on, on the Creed universe. Um, but I will say, and I know people are going to throw stones at me when I say this, but <laughs> hear me out. I think Michael B. Jordan is a wonderful actor. I think he has brought just a ton of uh, pathos and heart to the character of Adonis Creed. In my opinion, He's no Rocky though. He is not a, the character of Adonis is not a character who I, um who I can relate to. He's not a character that I think um that I really want to come back to. He, if what's interesting about Rocky is Rocky was just the perpetual underdog who you could be buddies with. And um you know, who you just always wanted to root for the character of Adonis. I feels in both in, in both films, he resorts to anger so quickly that, that as a result, as a character, and let me say first of all, a lot of that anger is understandable. But having said that, though, he's not a character that I that I love as much as I do Rocky Balboa. So I'm kind of wondering, okay, if they do a uh, a Creed three, I don't know if that's a character that I really want to go back to. And having said that, I really think that they really put a a pin on this entire franchise we talked about rocky how they um tied him up we don't really need any more of him um which i agree with completely but with the with regard to adonis creed you know where can they really go with that character at this point you know what i mean he has fought victor drago the god the yeah. son of the guy who killed his father i i don't think you can Get an opponent that is much more intimidating than that. I know I said a lot of things right there, so you can you can pick apart, you can
1: throw stones at me. But do you, do you see where I'm coming from, though? Totally. And and I, I I I mostly agree with you, but I think the sort of cynical side of me says that they're gonna make a third one just because they want to prove they can make a Creed movie without stallone or without rocky being a central character or a character in the movie at all so i think it might even be a stubbornness there and i also think it's really hard to just do two movies um you know if you're going to do two you're going to do three to make it a trilogy right so it almost feels like it's 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 hard to stop at two with so much box office momentum but you make a huge point in the fact that uh to, to steal a line from rocky balboa you know Creed doesn't really have anything left in the basement he has to deal with. So I right. think the only thing you can do with Creed three is make it a victory lap for him. And then somehow allude to the fact that Creed is going to pass on his wisdom the way Rocky passed his wisdom onto Creed and the, you know, sort of just continuing that cycle that started with Mickey um, and sort of showing how that, you know, circle of life, if you will, um, in boxing will continue. Um, by no means am I creative enough to be able to come up with a concept that will work, but you know what, when somebody floated the idea of, you know, Adonis fighting Drago's son, a lot of people snickered and said it couldn't, it couldn't be pulled off and they pulled it off. So, um, right. you know, and again, you know, Stallone could be involved from a, a creative aspect without Rocky being a character. And I think that's one of the strengths that Stallone could bring to the Creed franchise would be just his input, even as a writer and as, you know, sort of the creator of that universe. Um, I think it would be really interesting to get a Creed three that doesn't feature uh, Rocky Balboa in a prominent role. And, and again, I think it's more um just the fact that I think they want to prove that Creed can stand on his own two legs. And if anybody thinks there can be more money made uh, in Hollywood, they're definitely going to go after it. So for those reasons, I think they'll make a third one. Um I'll be there to see it, but um you sort of alluded to the fact that the ending for Rocky in this movie and the, the ending for Creed in this movie – they're both good endings and they're both in good places and it's a, a would be a totally proper way to end the franchise.
0: But do you see where I'm coming from with regard to the character of Adonis? And I know that I know that sounds like I'm hating on Adonis and I don't mean to be doing that in any way. Um Not at I think all. Michael B. Jordan is is a wonderful actor. I think he has brought so much to this entire franchise. But yeah, as a character, I'm kind of like, we've seen that like where, where, yeah. where can he go at this point? Well, you know, uh,
1: And that's the other thing. He worked through a lot of things. So, um, you know, he got that. He got that moment with his dad at his dad's graveside, even though his dad wasn't able to be a part of it. So, you know, like I said, there's nothing left in the basement for him to deal with. So it's really hard to, to make a movie about a character who's got no issues they have to deal with. <laughs>
0: Here we go. Actually, I just had an idea. What if, what if Creed, Adonis Creed, fights the ghost of Apollo Creed? So we have to, <laughs> we can find out who is really the best Creed.
1: There you go. Paranormal Creed. Um. <laughs> hey, stranger things have happened, right?
0: <laughs> so no, actually, considering how real and grounded the series has been, obviously they're not going to go there. But, um, but, you know, we've, we've been talking on how much we enjoyed this film and You know, when you and I uh, got together, what was it, uh, this past May, I want to say, when we did Johnny Mnemonic and we kind of toyed with the idea, I was like, okay, you have the Stallone podcast, I have the Mm Lundgren podcast, Free 2 is coming out, we need to join forces and do it. Um, I'm glad that we're able to do so. Obviously, it gets a recommend from me. I'm curious, why does it get a recommend from you, Greg? Why should everyone, if they have not already seen it, which... Let's face it, if they're listening to a Sylvester Stallone or a Dolph Lundgren podcast, people have already seen the film.
1: Um, But why does it get a recommend from you? I I hit on a lot of the points, I think, you know, that sort of would make this a recommend for me. I mean, if you're uh, the type of viewer that likes to see, you know, well-told stories with actors that have a really, really good grasp of the material and a director who has a handle – on how to direct those actors. I think you need to see this. And at the same time, it's really rare, Sean, right? That we get a really just a good boxing movie as well. I mean, you know, we had Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal a couple of years ago and, but I mean, boxing movies don't come along that often. And, you know, it, this is a, uh, there's some amazing camera work and some choreography in this movie uh that I think you alluded to quite a few times during our conversation here where if you're at all industry interested in that kind of movie this is a must see for that so it's got the acting for you know for that end of the spectrum but then it's also got this you know these amazing you know choreographed fights um so it really delivers a a a great overall package that I think um if you're on the fence yeah and and you're listening to this definitely go out and see it don't you find it amazing
0: that, you know, I I always hear the the critiques um that the sport of boxing has kind of become a dead sport. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, that that's what you hear a lot of people say nowadays is just yeah, the 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 sport of boxing, it's kind of become overshadowed by mixed martial arts. People would rather yeah. uh pony up the money the pay-per-view events to see mixed martial arts rather than boxing. But isn't it isn't it ironic? Isn't it amazing that while it may be slowly dying, in real life, when it comes to cinema, to the movies, boxing is still that, that art form that is going to just, um, you know, play so well on screen. And how many films have we seen that dramatize mixed martial arts? I can really only think of one. Uh, I'm referring to Warrior
1: and that one yeah. crashed and burned when it came, came to theaters. So
0: isn't that, isn't that kind of interesting?
1: Yeah. And I think the thing about boxing as opposed to MMA, at least from a storytelling perspective is, you know, um, I think MMA, I think is just way too internalized. If that makes any sense, where I, I think with boxing, you've got the imagery of the ring, uh, but then you've also got these teams. And I know in MMA, teams are probably important. Um, but it almost feels like there's not as much. I, I don't know if it's strategy that that movie going viewers can can latch on to, or if it's also just too violent too, which might be part of it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but you know, I am, you know, I agree with you, everything that you said, I'm right there with you. I think this is a wonderful movie. I think this is, this is one of those films that can appeal to just about everyone. It's going to appeal to those who just want to see a good, a good old boxing story. It's going to appeal to fans of Sylvester Stallone, obviously fans of Dolph Lundgren, obviously it's just one of those films that I think everybody is going to find something to like. And like you said, the acting in this film is great. The directing, Stephen Capel. I mean, where did he come from? I mean, he mm-hmm. he really um, is kind of uh, he was handpicked. I understand um, from what yeah. I read by uh, by Ryan Coogler, who really doesn't have many many features under his belt, but uh, he did a wonderful job with the story. And I think, like Rocky Four, Creed Two is a film that I'm going to be coming back to multiple times, um, over the next 30 years. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'd be more inclined when, when it f- eventually ends up on my shelf. Um, I'd be a lot more inclined to watch this than I would Creed, uh, the original Creed. And I know a lot, lot of times, you know, the thing that's newest is the one you're going to latch onto, but I think there's just so much more meat on the bone of this movie. Um, even though, you know, you've got that stellar, stellar performance from Stallone in the first one. I agree. I agree.
0: Let me ask you real quick. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, this film has done things for the careers of of so many. Um, But if we look at Sylvester Stallone and Dolph Lundgren, I mean, you know, these are the two big guys, there would not be a Creed to if it wasn't for these two individuals. So I'm curious Um, obviously Stallone has Escape Plan 3. I know he has that one in the can. He has another one that he did called Backtrace, which is also going direct to DVD. But where do you see these two guys going after this?
1: I would finally like Stallone to go in that direction that he's had a chance to go in a handful of times now, and that's just to... Find a way to do those mature, dramatic performances that don't rely too much on physicality. And, you know, you could probably use Clint Eastwood's career as a good sort of template. Um, but I think that this is... Sly had the chance to do it after Creed, and he sort of didn't do it. So here I would like to see him just do, you know maybe those projects that he hasn't been able to focus on i know for a long time he talked about making a edgar allan poe movie um i would really like to see him sort of capitalize on the creative capital that he's built uh, with with creed and creed 2
0: you know i i agree um with with regard to dolph you know i know that he he has aquaman that's going to be coming out here in a couple of weeks and then he has I guess he has a couple projects already that he filmed in Italy, but then he has another project uh, called malevolence that he is hoping to direct. And so I'm really hoping. Yeah. I'm really hoping that um, not only does, does this uh, does this heat that he has right now get him to direct some more of his passion projects, But I think I think everybody would agree. Seeing him back on the big screen, he is a presence that um, that belongs on the big screen. And so I would love to see him in some more roles that uh, that he can capitalize on. That he can use. That you know, I mean, even if they're small bit roles, because like I imagine uh, Aquaman, I think he's like the sixth build or something like that. But even if he can get some more roles like that, um, you know, he doesn't need to be front and center. But when you have a guy like Dolph, he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't need to be front and center. He can have one of those supporting roles and you know, like, whoa, that is Dolph. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That, that is what I'd like to see. Um, I wish both of these guys just the, the best of luck because this could open some, some new doors for them. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what uh, 2019 and 2020 are going to hold for both Balboa and Drago. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, and it's amazing that, you know, we're, we're able to say 2020, man. I, I, I can't imagine when Rocky four came out, either one of us would have been able to think this far ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: it's, it's amazing. But, uh, but yeah, before we, before we go, I'll let you uh plug or, uh, let us know anything that you're working on. Um, I know that, uh, let's see, you have the Slycast, cast, you have big screen book book club, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you also have your Ramones blog. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of fun. Um, Big Screen Book Club is it's a really, really hard podcast to do. And that's why there's so few episodes, because the amount of prep work, you know, watching a movie is one thing, but reading a book and then watching a movie is a whole nother thing. But there's some episodes of that podcast I'm really proud of. The the first episode on Die Hard. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't realize Die Hard's based on a book, but it's based on a damn good book. And it's its one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. So if you're at all interested in sort of the story uh that inspired the movie Die Hard uh, it's it's definitely worth a, a listen and i also the last episode of that series i put up was an um interview with author Rex Weiner who wrote the stories that inspired the uh Andrew Dice Clay cult classic Ford Fairlane and that was an excellent discussion and um Rex is a great guy and it's it's great to see that those stories have finally gotten a proper um, release after over 30 years of after being serialized in a newspaper. So if you're all inclined, check it out. I'm, I'm really proud of that stuff. And uh, Slycast, we're pumping along. Um, we actually have probably later this month, um, Judge Dread coming out, which I know is a discussion. A lot of people were looking for. And, and then over at my, uh, my Ramones page, it's Ramones Pinhead um, at Blogspot uh or Ramonespinhead.blogspot.com. Um, it's just uh you know, me sharing all the things I love about the Ramones and most of my entries are this day in history. So um it was kind of stacked the first year I did it because I was able to utilize a lot of dates. So now I'm being a little bit more selective in the shows that I select and the news um, that I share, but I think the Ramones are, a, an American tragedy <laughs> and, um, th- they're one of my favorite bands and it's a band I discovered a lot later in life. And, uh, I just love sharing their music with, uh, with people because I think it's really fun. So, uh, yeah, thank you for giving me the the time there, Sean, to, uh, to share those pro- projects. I'm, I'm proud of all of them. And, uh, it's just, um, Slycast has been such an amazing, wonderful experience for me because not only has it introduced me to you and and your podcast and allowed us to sort of even develop uh, a friendship outside of podcasting, um, but it's introduced me to this community of of Stallone fans and then also all the other Stallone podcasters that I've met through through this experience. Um Mike Kunda Ryan Rebalkin from the Going the Distance uh, podcast, uh, Doug Greenberg from Rocky Minute um, and <laughs> my my buddy Matt over at Rambo Mania, who uh, is just one of my favorite, favorite people in the Stallone uh, podcasting community, because that guy has so much energy and so much excitement and so much heart and has so much just material uh, on Projects that Stallone never got around to doing. And, uh, if you all have the time, uh, just going down the, the rabbit hole with, uh, his studio red band, uh, it, it's quite a trip. And, uh, he's interviewed David Morrell quite a few times. Um, and, and if you don't know, David Morrell's is the creator of Rambo. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Slycast has been just such a, a wonderful thing. And, uh, and I'm so glad that it, it, it made this episode possible.
0: Thank you so, so much for for coming on. And with regard to Big Screen Book Club, yeah, if you still are interested in uh, doing a dissection of the book and the movie Death Sentence,
1: uh, I am I'm still oh, yeah. more
0: than paying. We,
1: we talked about that offline. You know what, uh, Sean, we'll definitely make that happen in 2019 because um, I, I already have um, my buddy BJ lined up to do Death Wish. Um, and then we can, we can uh, segue right into death sentence. I forgot you're a huge fan of that movie, right?
0: Huge fan of the movie, huge fan of the book. And so, yeah, yeah. I've been actually dying to uh, not only talk with someone about that movie, because it's one of those movies. It came out in the fall of 2007, and it seems like it, it didn't really have any legs when it came out. But I think it is, in my opinion, I think it's one of the best films, not only of that year, but of the last decade. It's easily one of Kevin Bacon's best performances. But um, the book that it's based on... Um, It really shouldn't even be based on the on the book, to be honest, because it takes so many liberties. But I'm really looking forward to talking about um, both the book and the movie with someone. So when you're game, let me know. So,
1: (laughs) well, definitely, definitely keep on me for that, because um, I I forgot we had talked about that. And uh, and and I know how excited I am to do, you know, the uh, Death Wish, because we're now able to sort of talk about the bruce willis vehicle as well so yeah in 2019 that's definitely going to happen that's my uh my new year's resolution sean
0: (laughs) all right cool cool well hey craig thank you so so much i do appreciate it um to everyone out there who is listening please feel free to rate and review the show on itunes stitcher or wherever else you go to subscribe we always appreciate the reviews and uh we'll see you all next time on i must break this podcast